What's up everybody? Welcome back to my channel. I am way late on this recap of the fifth episode of Love After Lockup. So I'm gonna go through it as quickly as possible so that I can have a recap of this past Friday's episode up tomorrow, okay? So let's jump into it first. We start off with Andrea, who goes out with her friend Michelle back home in Utah to discuss meeting Lamar in Los Angeles. Her friend co-signs her being childish enough to leave just because he's baby mama's uh, someone he had sex with in the past. And I was really embarrassed for two grown ass women thinking that it's okay to just refuse to meet someone's child just because he had them with another woman, especially considering the fact that Andrea already knew when she started hooking up with Lamar and writing to you know him on prisonpenpal.com that he did have a child from a previous relationship. It's just absolutely ridiculous how childish Andrea is and sad that she's got friends who are just as childish as she is and creates like this sort of echo chamber where something like this is actually acceptable to a grown ass woman. She then exaggerates her fight with Lamar that happened in the parking lot the last episode and she claims that Lamar was a second away from knocking her out and her friend tells her that those are red flags and um, Andrea comes off as desperate enough to ignore like the possibility of domestic abuse. But we know as viewers that the reason that she's not gonna take heed of these alleged red flags is because she was making the whole entire thing up. Now moving along, we see a clip of her and Lamar talking about the fight and he tells her that she can't be pissed because he does everything for her and is loyal and hasn't cheated once. And it's kind of like, uh, Lamar, you've been locked up for nearly 20 years. And ever since you've gotten out, Andrea has not let you out of her sight. So it's kind of like you're only bragging about the fact that you weren't butt buddies with someone in prison. And second of all, I I think by Andrea's definition, you have cheated on her and been disloyal. Remember the car wash lady when she handed you your change back? That was a form of cheating, my friend. And then he also claims that he treats Andrea like a queen, which is, again, laughable considering he's been in jail like their whole entire relationship minus the past week. And I don't think he's done anything for her since getting out. In fact, she's the one who bought his ass um, a car. So how is she being treated like a queen? Queens aren't out here spending their uh, the money that they should be putting away for their children in college on their boyfriend having a car. It just makes no sense whatsoever. So Andrea keeps mentioning his prison mentality and it's crazy that she mentions that his prison mentality makes her nervous, you know, considering the fact that she is implying that he's a violent person. Uh, when she subsequently is all right with this being around her children. Absolutely crazy. Now, Lamar is next up at his friend's home talking about his plans to go to Utah to meet Andrea's kids against the rules of his parole. He says that his parole officer can arrest him and send him back to jail for one and a half years, but whatever. You guys, his friend looked visibly shaken by the fact that um, Lamar is willing to potentially get him in trouble because I'm pretty sure when someone is on parole and you choose to let them live in your house, you're kind of at least somewhat responsible for them. So I think his friend realized that he made a massive mistake letting someone like this live at his house while on parole, considering the fact that Lamar is probably gonna end up back in jail. He asked Lamar why he's being so stupid and Lamar says that he's willing to risk it all because he's tired of breaking bad news to Andrea. And it's kind of like, well, I'm pretty sure it's gonna be worse news, you going back to jail after meeting her kids, than her having to explain to them why they have to wait a little bit longer in order to meet you. 
you. It just is crazy, crazy, crazy to me. Now, Alla is claiming to be throwing up at a gas station, but if you look really closely, she pulled something out from like her pocket and threw it in the trash before James came to pick her up. She claims that she had a fever, but guys, she looked high as a damn kite, and it was just crazy how she could not string together a single coherent sentence to save her life, and she just looked like a complete mess. So once they were in James's car, she claims that she could be pregnant, and in her talking head, she's like, I'm ready for this next stage of my life. And again, even in this talking head, she seemed high as a damn kite, and it is so sad that she is willing to bring kids who deserve so much better into the world as a drug addict. Now, Tony calls Angela, claiming not to know why he didn't get released from prison, but it seems like he's a little bit off and conniving in this scene. I wasn't really convinced that he was still in jail for some weird reason. Like, he just seems so shady, you know? Angela then asks him if he's catfishing her, and he takes a long pause, like pretty much choking back laughter before he answers no. And then as they're about to hang up the, the phone on their conversation, he asks her for more money again, and she tells him that she's got him. And it's just so pathetic how desperate this woman is when it's clear as day that this man is not the slightest bit attracted to her and is 100% about his money. Next up, Mary surprises Dom with a trip to the tuxedo shop and he's upset and claims that he's not supposed to make surprise stops like this because he's supposed to be giving his parole officer a daily itinerary. So he really is grouchy throughout the entire process and Mary makes it worse. You know, he tries on his first tux and she's like, wow, this looks better than what you've been wearing in prison. And he's like, Obviously, he seems embarrassed that she feels the need to just tell any and everybody that this guy, you know, just got out of jail. And it's crazy. This seems to be like a badge of honor that these women wear because they are so open about it. I mean, if I were with a convict, God forbid, I would not tell a single soul about it and definitely not, you know, someone who's helping me choose out something for my wedding. They have to cut their time at the tuck shop short when Dom seems absolutely extremely irritated with Mary for first of all setting this up without his permission and just acting a damn fool in front of everybody at the place talking about his like criminal status and um you guys he just seems so like empty like a shell of a person i feel like he experienced some hardcore victimization while in prison and i just you know i just always feel so like sad and eerie whenever he comes on screen next up garrett heads over to a jeweler to pick out an engagement ring for jana and can't even properly explain what it is that he loves about her when the jeweler asks him the jeweler then asks well how did you meet her and he explains that he met jana because she just kept incessantly writing him while he was in prison and he eventually caved and started writing her back and the jeweler is kind of like wow i wish i didn't ask that next up mary confronts dominic about his attitude and he tells her that he's not looking to get in trouble and that he's overwhelmed with all of her expectations he then says that it's going to be at least one year before he can marry her because of parole and she says that she's tired of waiting and then he tells her well if that's how you feel then you can just walk away now mary then complains that she wants to get married and start a family and it's just so crazy how impatient she is considering first of all she's like only 20 28 years old you know I like as old as she looks she's only 28 years old and Dom obviously doesn't have like a career or stable income or anything like that so why rush marriage and the title of it and children when your partner literally does not have like a single candle to his name or a penny to his name quite yet why don't you just relax and work on 
getting back on your feet as a couple first and him being comfortable before you really push these very serious like life altering commitments and you guys for those who are not familiar with toronto i know from watching like money sense and stuff like that that you need to make at least two hundred and fifty thousand dollars like as a couple in order to live like a decent average life as a family of four so mary and this guy are definitely not in that bracket so why she is so you know headstrong about it is absolutely beyond me i just do not get it and moving right along on the way back to the car they get into a big fight about him not helping her up the stairs and giving her flowers and doing other romantic things for her and dom was actually really mean to her throughout the scene and he kind of finishes it out by saying i would do nice things for you if you would just uh, shut the f up and stop being such like a uh, you know a massive bitch and it was like that is no way to talk to someone who held you down while you were in jail because i presume your family and your friends long left you and this girl is still here you can at least treat her with like basic basic respect no meanwhile in james's neck of the woods he takes a strung out ally to a restaurant for dinner and she claims that 10 people told her that day alone that she could be pregnant um you guys it's just so crazy to think that this man is already shooting up her club and he hardly even knows her alice seems to be getting worse like her sentence structure is just getting worse and worse as the scenes roll by and then you know she's still talking about how she could potentially be pregnant and then she brings up the fact that she wants to meet his family before delivering his hypothetical child and james just has a really patronizing way of looking at her like there's no way in hell that this intelligent man believes this woman is sober and like i think it shows in the way that he looks at her he just looks so patronizing and condescending he looks at her the way that like a father who's frustrated with his idiotic daughter would look at her now in the middle of talking about her you know potentially being pregnant ella claims that she's been experiencing hot flashes and heads off to the bathroom to take the test you know which in my opinion was actually her heading off to shoot up some more of that liquid poison anyway she returns in a change of clothes and refuses to talk about the pregnancy result james then asked her a couple of times what the result was and she just keeps like delaying and being like well why are you in such a hurry do you not want me to have your child like what's going on would it suck for me to be your baby mama and like just stuff like that and she just talks like that and her eyes are all like goobly and it's so crazy how she won't just give him the results and so he finally asked her again what did the test say and she finally goes oh it was negative well was that so damn hard and that's i'm pretty sure is what james said too and she just was so bizarre and annoying and weird it was just uh cringe city all the way around guys i can't believe we rarely see much of scott i mean it makes sense considering Liddy's, lizzie's not out but anyway he makes a brief appearance this episode towards the end where he goes to lizzie's lawyer who it turns out that he pays for of course and he reveals to him that the reason that lizzie can't get out of jail quite yet is because she was caught with heroin meth and a cell phone this dumbass literally admits that he's been buying her cell phones every six months or so like is there really no security in that prison she is out there taking nudes in her cell and walking around with a cell phone crazy the lawyer then reveals to um scott that lizzie is facing up to 12 years and he feels guilty as all hell considering he is her supplier of cell phones and 
probably the money that she is getting this heroin and meth with. And last but not least in the final scene of the episode, guys, is there a reason why Jonna's dog is always in a damn crate? What a miserable existence. Anyway, she and her friends go out for her birthday drinking cheap wine on some kind of a patio. I'm a massive wine snob, you guys. And um, Garrett presents her with a gift, his, uh, which is a chocolate covered strawberry. But because it was so hot out there and it wasn't refrigerated, it melted and she bitched about it and then he then gives her an even bigger box which leads to a medium box which leads to a small box which leads to an extra small box and you know where this is going because at the very end he proposes to her with the ring and she is absolutely ecstatic and she also jokes about how big of a bit she had been to him the entire day and how she kind of felt bad for it considering he she you know she finally got her proposal from him and they all kind of celebrate and the episode ends there now you guys what did you think of the fifth episode of love after lockup i'm so excited to hear what you have to say so please leave all of your thoughts and opinions in the comment section down below and as usual we'll chat you can also like this video subscribe for more feel free to share it with your friends as well and follow me across social media where i absolutely love chatting with you that's all for now thank you so much for watching and i'll see you next time